Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Touchdown, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! Can you believe it? Gamecocks have won this game! Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. I watch him celebrate now! Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losers. And Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell you, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. We'll all be in Williams Bryce Stadium soon, and you'll see their work everywhere as you drive by. You already do, and they, of course, have work all over campus. That's why they're the preferred sign partners of the Gamecocks. So if you own a company or a business or you just want to put a sign in your yard that says 31 to 30 because your neighbor pulls for that team in the upstate, pretty much anything in between, it's signorama.com, and you can go find Matt Vaughn's group in West Columbia, and they'll do your work from anywhere in the state of South Carolina. They're the best of the best. That's why South Carolina has chosen them, and that is why we are partners with them as well. Built by the Barndo Co. as low as $160 per square foot to build your dream home in the Carolinas, in Georgia, or in Tennessee, thebarndominiumco.com. They are building something special, that's for sure. So are we, J.C. Sherbert, Phil Molinax, myself, J.B., here until 1 today. We'll be joined in an hour by the great Brad Crawford with 24-7 Sports. His preseason predictions are out. He's got South Carolina finishing at 7-5. and five. We'll ask him why. And a lot more about that as well. We also have a new segment we'll start doing on Wednesdays called Agree or Disagree. And I'll ask JC and Phil each three, not questions, I'm sorry. I'll give each of you three statements and you have to agree or disagree with the statement. And knowing JC, he'll tell us why. And then we'll run out of time and have to be short on the next segment. But that's how it works around here. And we're excited about that. Uh, The college football playoff format could be changing. Ross Dellinger has a column out on that. We'll get into some of that a little bit later as well. And then, guys, I think most notable to our audience uh, was really what Spencer Rattler had to say yesterday. He was – and, I look, I mean, come on. We're not dumb. You know, he's not going to grab the microphone and say, well, you know, this guy, he kind of sucks. We don't run the ball worth a damn. Our offensive line's average at best. Loggins is – you know, he's okay, but, I mean, there's nothing to write home about. No, we, I know that. He's not going to do that. But he, he did say some pretty encouraging things, and it's a, it's a little bit different uh, coming from him and how he said it yesterday. And so I think that that should give us a little bit of an idea 
of where things stand. He did say he sure does like this offense a lot more than the one he was in last year. And that, I think, is the comment that had some people rolling around last night. Phil and JC, good morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Yeah, yeah, he seems uh, a bit more optimistic about the way the offense is running here in this preseason than than years past. I'll put it that uh, way. What do you think, JC? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it would have been ridiculously awful had, uh, <laughs> had, had they stuck with what they were doing. So uh, <laughs> I, I think that uh, – I, I think that anything would have been an improvement, but the more I hear about it, the more I think Dowell Loggins is going to be, you know, there's still people out there that are like, well, you know, I mean, there's one guy um, on the big spur that blames recruiting failures for hiring Dowell Loggins still. And that these aren't even guys that, you know, play his position. He coaches. And, and I think we've all seen so far, he can recruit pretty well, you know? Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, I, you know, I think all that talk will probably be put to rest by the middle of the season. Um, I'll say this, though. There's always the chance that, you know, you you, you don't produce. Uh, you know, this is a tough league with great defenses. Um, but I would be very surprised if we sit here and go, the play calling sucked. <laughs> or, or what are they doing on offense? Um after after a game that they don't execute and maybe only put seven on the board or whatever. So uh, I think that uh, last year it was obvious to everybody that was not just a I, – I don't know. Some of these guys that really get into the X's and O's part of it, that, you know, watch a lot of tape and as a hobby and things like that, they, they, tended, they tended to defend him a little more. Um, and, and I think it's probably because, as we said, the, the play design's – were probably good. The concepts were probably quite good. It was just the way he went about it. Um, I don't think he put 63 points on Tennessee with bad play designs, right? No. Uh, but what they did was they scaled it back, you know, <laughs> uh, which is what you have to do in college. You know, Alabama, I know for a fact, Bill O'Brien said he, 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 he ran it about like 20% of how he ran the Texans offensively uh, at Alabama. And they had one of the best offenses that uh, – you know, best offenses in the country the last couple of years. So I think, um, I think that, uh, you know, th- this will be a pleasant surprise. I understand. Uh, Cause I was on the bandwagon too about NFL background guys, but you know, the more you dig into like the, the facts about Dowell Loggins, uh, it- it's not a guy like Steve Wilkes at Missouri a couple of years ago who, Basically, didn't have a job, and so he goes. And Eli Drinkwitz calls him up, and he wants to go coordinate defense for a year at Missouri, and that's a disaster. Now he's back in the NFL where he belongs. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, you know, Dowell Loggins was up there for twenty years. He did, he could have stayed. He could have got, easily gotten another job because they recycle coaches and stuff up there. But he decided to go pursue college. And when you come back to college, and you don't just walk in the door and say, "Hey, I'm a coordinator." I know guac is extra, you know, uh, and you're, you, you go decide you're going to be an analyst and learn it from the ground up from a guy like Mike Yurchich at Penn State, and then the job at his alma mater comes up. He, he's coaching tight ends. Right. Uh, Kendall Browse, as good as I think Kendall is, probably has half the experience in football down with us, <laughs> you know, so you're working for a guy that hadn't been in the game as long or the sport as long. Uh, and you're learning, learning, sponging, 
And then you combine that with his, with, with, with his experience in the NFL and, you know, being in the arena before, being on, being on the biggest stage of the sport. Trust me, man, I've dealt with Bears fans. Uh, being the OC up there is the worst job in football. <laughs> ne- next, to, ne- next to maybe being Mike Leach's running backs coach when, when Leach was a lot when he, <laughs> Leach was with us, but uh, it, it's just uh, our Steve Spurrier's defensive coordinator, uh, or Will Muschamp's offensive coordinator, if you will. But no, it's a bad job, and to 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 have gone through that and gone through those bad years with the Dolphins and work for the Titans. Those are all passionate fan bases up there. See, the pressure's not going to get to him. You're not going to see him do some of the juvenile things that, that maybe happened in the past where, you know, oh, my God, a player's getting too much credit. They still hate me. Let's – let's. And, I, and I'm not questioning anybody's motivation. I'm just saying that I think you're going to see a guy that, that's a pro that is taking his first swing at college that's paid his dues – uh, and is going to apply all that knowledge to this offense this year. And there's a reason why Spencer likes it. I mean, there's a reason why everybody likes it. Jamie, you and I talked to players at the event for Carolina Rise in April. They all liked it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, uh, it's a breath of fresh air. Uh, and that's regardless of the results. So we'll see. Yeah, I, well, look, I agree, man. I mean, it's – you know, I, I go back to – a a comment that coach Loggins made a couple of weeks ago at, uh, at the birdies with Beamer event, uh, when he said, um, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but I've almost got every word down. You know, my job is to get, to get him going and then let him go. And he was talking about Spencer Rattler. Hey, look, you know, I'm I, as the offensive coordinator around here, you know, I'm going to uh, put you in a spot to go out there and, and find your groove and to be successful. And then from there, when you start playing, and you're ready to let it rip, I'm going to let you let it rip. And he was referencing as well the Tennessee game last year where he was watching it on TV. And, you know, Coach Logan said, my God, this guy can't miss. He's on fire. I mean, he's just everything he's doing. And, um, and, and clearly, you know, we've begun to understand now over the last few months as to why that was. They had kind of changed the playbook a little bit and quote unquote dumbed it down or at least simplified it. Let's use that word, simplified it uh, to where he could, Spencer Rattler could uh, do the things that he was best at. And we saw what happened. He was the best quarterback in the country that night when they beat Tennessee. And he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country over the last three games of the season. When you combine all the numbers and really take a look at it, even with some of the crazy interceptions that happened in the Clemson game. And I'm, I know I think he threw one against Notre Dame, but regardless, he was still he was still the guy that everybody around here was hoping to see. And so equating that back to again, we we can't see this right now because it's August. They're just practicing, but going off of what Dow Logan said, his mission was for Spencer Rattler, and then now hearing Spencer Rattler yesterday, you know, say things like, This is the best camp I've ever been a part of. Um you know, you know, we we have way more explosive plays than last year for sure. It's a complete turnaround. Um, we've been playing fast. Um, I like this better. You know, all these type of things. You, you at least get the feeling that these two guys together could could be pretty special. And if they could be pretty special, equating that to the rest of the world, the fans, you know, on the outside looking in, 
I go back to something we've said time and time and time again around here, at least over the last few months. When you have an elite quarterback, you can beat anybody. I mean, you can't, the rest of your team can't suck. And obviously, and I understand that. But if you don't suck and you are average or above average and you have an elite quarterback, it can happen any Saturday. And we've heard that, Phil, how many times over and over and over throughout the years with all these other programs. Let's just stay in the SEC for the sake of the conversation here. But every SEC program out there, not named Alabama and Georgia, whom every year seemingly have a quarterback that nobody can get enough of, and I agree with them. They've been really good. You know, Hendon Hooker, uh, everybody who plays for Mike Leach, um, K.J. Jefferson, these these are the guys now. Anthony Richardson back at Florida, even though none of us thought he was really that good. My point was this. Will Levis was a great example of this. When... When you have a quarterback that people feel like is an elite quarterback, or at least in a system that they can operate in an elite as an elite quarterback, those are the those are the games that everybody starts talking about. Where you go, these guys could beat these guys because they have a really good quarterback. And now, you know, Spencer Rattler has kind of re-entered that phase of his career. He was already in it. When he played at Oklahoma, when he was a starting quarterback, nobody picked them to lose every week, right? Now they've kind of regained that. Uh, and they have to go out and prove it. you got to beat North Carolina coming up in a couple weekends. And then after that, you're going to have to beat somebody again you're not supposed to beat. But you have to almost reprove it. He did prove it last year against Tennessee. Pretty much proved it again against Clemson. Uh, and and you just kind of start adding it all together, guys. And it feels like they could be on the verge of something special if they can stay healthy and it all clicks right. Yeah, I mean, you you got to think one of the more recent examples of insert quality quarterback play into a program uh, with the right offensive scheme is, you know, LSU and Joe Burrow. I mean, I'm not saying Carolina's on its way to win a national championship, but it's the perfect example of that, you know, that combination where if you've got an elite quarterback, you have a competent offensive coordinator, um, even with, you know, not necessarily the best running back in the league or, you know, you, you've got some weapons on the perimeter, but it wasn't like those guys were vying for Heisman's themselves. Yeah. And you've got exactly what it is that you need to compete in what is the toughest league in the in the nation. I'll say this. It's, you don't want to get too caught up in the 2019 LSU comparisons and I would be totally stunned simply because that LSU team had a really veteran offensive line. That, sure. That, that, yeah, and, yeah. In fairness, before that season, they were kind of questioning it. Those guys just sort of came together. But those guys, well, there are a lot of pros up there, right? Well, I, I, I don't I, know how I, many pros Carolina has. But uh, it's similar here because Carolina is basically right. running schematically. It's the same – like, if you just looked at it on paper, you, you probably couldn't tell that much difference between what Sad had and what Loggins has. There's going to be some wrinkles here and there based on the air raid and, and his time with Kendall Browns and stuff like that, more quarterback runs, stuff like that. And in and, and LSU, if you remember that year before, they had to replace um, what's-his-face, overly complicated guy that was a pit. 
with uh, Ensminger, and then they were kind of up and down, and Burrow was up and down. I mean, Burrow had like I remember talking to somebody. Burrow had worse stats than than Jake Bentley in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake was you know statistically much better. Uh, he led them back to a victory. Things like that. it wasn't that he didn't do anything. And then the next year, something just clicked because he had more weapons, and uh, and Joe Brady comes in. Joe Brady didn't call the plays. Uh, it was Ensminger, but but Joe Brady's sitting there spicing up the pass game, and, and so the spicing up of it and all that good stuff. I think that's kind of what Loggins brings to the table as as one guy, and you know Carolina's sort of doing that. Um, so they've they've made a, a not identical but a similar move with a similar type of transfer quarterback, one that had his moments a year before, but nobody would ever think going into this year he would be, you know, Heisman hands down so yeah um i'm not trying to get everybody excited i'm just saying that we've kind of seen this setup before at different places and it's worked so how well does it work this year we'll see yeah well this is that time of year that you should be excited why not you know you've been waiting eight months you know get excited and dream big i mean i i think that there's nothing wrong with that we all have tough enough lives i actually i and 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 i i want to Make sure that I help Phil clarify here, and I think you just did the same thing too. Because I don't, I don't think that, I don't think Phil is comparing that what we're going to see at all to 2019 LSU. I hope at the end of the season we can compare it. That would mean really good stuff for South Carolina football. (laughs) But I think what you're getting at, Phil, and and I and I understand I understand exactly what you're saying here, and I think it's spot on. Much like what JC just said is. You have a similar setup where it's you you are coming into the year where you feel like the magic potion is there for good things to happen if it all can go well. Um and yeah. and I th- think that's very that's very fair. It, it's a recent example. I mean, okay, the Joe Joe Burrow. Let me ask both of you this, and I'll start with you, Phil. Did you in August of 2019? let alone the Heisman. Was Joe Burrow on your radar as one of the best quarterbacks in the country? No, I mean, I don't think you'd have put him top 10. I think it wasn't on mine. No, I mean, you, you've got a similar, and there again, another similarity between what you had there in 19 and what, you know, South Carolina has here in 23. Uh, it's just, and, and that's why I qualified it as saying, I'm not, you know, saying South Carolina is going to vie for a national championship this year or anything. And anytime you make comparisons like this, you, you, you have to temper your expectations because we have yet to see a single play on, on a real football field. But, uh, you know, the, the mix is there. It is. Yeah. I, I, I agree with these guys in the chat box too. I, I'm not going to say I'm not worried about the offensive line at all. Um, I, I, can, I have concerns about about um, how quickly it can come together. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, sooner or later, <laughs> the sooner the better. Um, but I like them. And, and I'll tell you what, JC, I mean, we, look, man, you, you and I met this kid. I said it then. And I've, I've said it a lot. Uh, and it's it's not about me. I'm just saying I, I'm I'm not shying away from anything that I've believed from the first moment that I met him. I think Sidney Fugar has a chance to be pretty freaking good at South Carolina. And and per your reporting the other day, right now he might have the leg up on the on the right tackle position. 
if if he if he is, that is what's going to make I, I Jakai Moore seems like a guy who's only going to get better. The, you mentioned the mean streak in him before, JC. Guys who have mean streaks get better with contact, right? And if you have a left tackle mentality and you've got something inside of you that says you're not gonna be, I'm gonna kick your rear end out here today, you will only get better as long as you stay healthy. The interior guys seem like they mesh pretty well, and Nick Gargiulo is beginning to stand out by, day by day. If Sidney Fugar comes along and turns into something totally out of the blue, they find this kid from freaking Western Illinois and he comes to South Carolina and all of a sudden is a starting right tackle and becomes a staple out there at six five, four hundred and eighty-seven thousand pounds, it appears. Uh, it's he. You have the potion to have a good offensive line, and even with the youth and too deep, those guys get to grow into their roles, not get thrown into their roles. Agreed. Uh, and I think staying healthy is going to be important too. And, and you know, Fugar. First of all, shout out to the Western Illinois Leathernecks. That's the alma mater of one Stephen Jason Sherbert. All right, my, uh, my number two right. brother, the one that's a pilot. Uh, what's up, Dave? Uh, he graduated from Western Illinois. I don't know what it is about Illinois women and my, my family, but we, we right. his first wife was from Illinois, so that's how he ended up there. Uh, my second was from Illinois. Wow. What, I don't know what it is. Anyway, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't with you on that, though, JB. I'll be honest. I mean, it's not that I, I, I thought Sydney would be bad. I just kept thinking, well, he's got, this, he's got three years here. Mm-hmm. Sure. And he just, to me, it didn't. Meeting him, you know, I was like, well, this guy's maybe doing a little bit of adjustment. Um, I didn't know how quickly that would come. Uh, obviously, they got him for a reason. Uh, but I kept thinking, you know, he's not your normal grad transfer type guy where he's got one year and you need him to come in and start. Well, you know, maybe he had a he had a big summer. Uh, he is a hard worker. Uh, so, so I think all that, you know, I like – I've always liked Ja'Kai Moore. Yeah. Trey Jones is one of the most athletic – offensive lineman in the country for Sean Lee is a veteran they really like. I mean Trey Jones, know. remember a guy just a couple of years ago he was used in a fullback role. Now he's gonna be your starting right guard. That may have been the best thing Marcus Satterfield ever did. <laughs> Amazing. And then he went away from it. But uh you know he uh so, so we'll see it. But um you know and and, and Clint uh, you know you gotta wipe the slate clean at some point. The OC is different. So I don't I don't think anything anybody says about what happened last year is even valid. I mean, maybe they don't even have a few games this year that uh, that they're good. Maybe they suck the whole year. I don't know. But I, I think I mean it's a new, a completely new day. Um, you know, the other thing about the offensive line I find interesting, and this this shows you to tie it into class of twenty twenty four recruiting a little bit. This shows you how rare elite offensive tackles or and really linemen in general are that come out of this state. I think, I think in this state, we have a slew of, of underrated guys, you know, TJ Johnson comes to mind, Jordan McFadden, Nick Clemson comes to mind, uh, you know, the Brandon shells and Alex Barron's of the world uh, don't come along very often. And South Carolina's got both of them committed for next year. Here's South Carolina starting offensive line by state. Left tackle, Virginia. Left guard, New York. Center, Virginia. Right guard, South Carolina. Right tackle, Maryland. Yeah. So four of your five starters are from north, are from up the eastern seaboard, north of North Carolina. Uh, and that makes it, sense because we always think we have all the best football players in the south. 
we don't on the offensive line. And you, you can't find a bunch of good ones in Florida. You can't find the state, Georgia and Texas and Alabama sometimes have guys. Mississippi will have a guy every now and then, but it's, it's hard. I mean, because all the great athletes up front, the big guys play defense in yeah. the South. And so, uh, you know, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. And, and I looked at the whole offense in general and a lot of geographic diversity on offense. Uh, defensively, I think seven of the 11 starters are from right right here in good old South Kakalaki. Um, so everybody kind of. People still use that term? I thought that thought that phased out 20 years ago. Am I wrong? South Kakalaki? Yeah. I don't know. Some Auburn fan sent me a hateful PM today about Jalua Solomon and said South Kakalaki. <laughs> Should I not say that? I won't say it anymore. I'm sorry. Did he did he did he spell any of it correctly? He's an Auburn guy. You never know what those guys. <laughs> he got it out of his coloring book. <laughs> Wrote it in crayon. <laughs> That's right. It's all in crayon. He, he, he said I he said I acted butthurt on the big spur about Solomon. I, I remember the day he committed. I didn't say anything. I, I think I posted the link to Carolina Rise to join. And that was it. That's all I said. It wasn't like I was like, all right, damn Auburn, man. I, I mean, if there is a program out there that I always speak, I mean, I always speak, you guys know, I speak annoyingly high of Auburn. I love Auburn, you know. Anyway, that guy's an idiot. But anyway, uh, so that, that's the deal there. But, uh, yeah, so I think it's interesting that, we talk about this program and, and when this program and Clemson too, for that matter, when, when, when both programs have been up, like at their, at the top of where they have ever been, they've always had great defenses. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because of the defensive talent in the state. You know, it's just, it's, it's caddy wampus to where there's more defensive guys than offensive guys for whatever reason. Well, it's getting closer and we're going to talk plenty more about it here. Uh, throughout the program coming up at noon it's our friend everybody's friend the great brad crawford from north kakalaki uh north, hey, of course north national north writer for 24 7 sports yeah i'm not a big kakalaki guy you know I'm, I, 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 I won't uh, say it again well you do you man i mean you know you're you're, you're you could get away with that charlotte but down here you're roaming around five points you Never know who might punch you in the mouth, so you should be careful. Yeah, I don't want to get punched in the thing. mouth. Or no. I said Charlotte, uh, Chicago. Charlotte, the old jacket, you know what I'm saying. Uh, we do need to step aside for a timeout. Speaking of golf, we're teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. TravelingCountryClub.com is the coolest club in the Carolinas. Why not be cool when it's been roasting hot outside? Although, I walked out to take my, my little monkeys to the zoo this morning. Those would be my twin four-year-old daughters. And it, I didn't, I didn't walk into a, an air, a, you know, a, a hairdryer. It was, it was, I don't know what happened, but something broke overnight. Thank the good Lord Pete mm-hmm. for that. Uh, so maybe we're trending in the right direction around here, but stay cool while it's warm. And certainly in the fall, we know you want to play some mountain golf and even along the coast when it's just beautiful to get out there and tee it up. There's nothing like this out there. Nothing. If you have a set of golf clubs, you should be a member to this. Period. Doesn't matter how well you play. Travelingcountryclub.com. Gamecock owned and operated. It's a huge club. There's, I don't even know how many members now, but I know it's over a thousand, which is awesome. We know we've been a part of that growth and we're really, really appreciative of that. Travelingcountryclub.com. When we return, a brand new segment, agree or disagree. 
Three questions apiece, but I also tricked you. I've got a bonus question for both of you. And we'll see what you've got to say right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show, part of the Chief Sports Network. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned and operated. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. Pretty view there. Welcome back. 1131 inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, guys, it's National Tell-A-Joke Day. Do either one of you have a joke or no? I know I sprung it on you. It has nothing to do with agree or disagree, but do you have a good joke? No. Why do eggs have very many jokes to each other? I'm a long-form comedian, so we don't have 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, I got funny stories. Uh... I don't know, Phil. What is it? They keep cracking each other up. <laughs> not, not bad. Yes. All right. I got I got one, and then we'll move on. A ham sandwich walks into a bar and orders a beer. What did the bartender say to him? No. <laughs> Sorry, we don't serve food here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to use uh, <laughs> Oh, man. Also, by the way, I just retweeted this. I cannot believe this is 15 years ago today. 
But 15 years ago today, I'll never forget this moment. This is we we often if you ever speaking of bars, if you're ever sitting in a bar or sitting around with your buddies and you, you you just yapping around about sports, you always think back. Remember, in our lives, we've had certain can't miss moments in sports. And I'm not talking about just us. I'm talking about collectively. Let's call it the entire country. Uh, when I was growing up, you never missed Mike Tyson box, right? Um, I mean, there are just when Tiger Woods was in it on Sunday, it didn't matter whether you watch golf or not. You watch Tiger Woods. I, I this one always gets forgotten about, but anytime I ever bring it up, people are like, "Oh God, I remember every minute of it." And I remember this day 15 years ago because me and one of my roommates, Nick Godwin, who pitched for the Gamecocks, were in our living room in Columbia, literally about to push the TV over. We were so excited. It's the day that Michael Phelps won his seventh of eight gold medals by one one hundredths of a second. That Olympics, I mean, Phelps was can't miss for how many Olympics, what, four. But that Olympics, when he won all eight, I'll never forget every time he swam. Like, And I'm not even like a big swimming guy. I love watching it. Like, It's pretty neat to watch. These guys, those, they're athletes. It's unbelievable. That was a can't miss moment in sports. So hats off to 15 years ago, Michael Phelps for doing something that will probably never get done again. Eight gold medals in one Olympics is ridiculous. It's hard to believe that was that long ago. (laughs) 15 years, guys. We're getting old quick. Um, Somebody asked me earlier, by the way, too, uh, do I I still say Chucktown? I've never said Chucktown because I'm born and raised here, and I think it sounds ridiculous, but you do you. Um, All right. You ready? Here we go. Agree or disagree? We'll start with the one and the only Mad Dog Mullinex who hails from the great upstate of South Carolina. All right, Phil, last year, South Carolina allowed 198 rushing yards per game. They will improve that number by 30 or more this year. Agree. You agree? I agree. I agree. So you think you got more experience. uh, You lost a big guy in the middle and – Zach Pickens for sure, but I think the guys that you have projected as the starters on the interior of the defensive line are another year experienced with uh, the another year experience in the uh, in the middle of the defensive linebacker, which is where you're going to need it uh, the most, I think. And I'd say, yeah, you get that. You can get that number to under one. 70 Mm -hmm. but you gotta go uh it's gotta be at 168 phil or you're wrong i think travian robertson will be a big part of that as well i I mean that's what i'm sitting here thinking i'm like you you (laughs) you got a real nasty d-line guy now that's gonna (laughs) that 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 i don't think is going to accept yeah 198 per game period yeah (laughs) i think i think in honor of uh brad lawing they'll only allow seven yards per game this year rushing so i agree with that as well all right, JC. Uh, now I'm going to ask this question, and the large majority of people, probably 99 out of 100, are going to go, "Well, that's a ridiculous question, of course." But think about it, because we've seen it a lot around here over the years. When you're expected to be blank, sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. So I'll ask it to you and see if you're, if this is 100 percent agree, or if you have to think about it. Juice Wells will lead the Gamecocks in receiving yardage. Agree or disagree? Agreed. Agreed. But it'll be close. That's what I'm with you there. Are we talking yardage or touchdowns? Touchdowns, maybe not. 
Yards, yards per catch? No. Nah, probably not. But, yard, uh, yard, yard. Well, yards per catch, I'd probably say Amarian Brown or uh, Nick Harbor. So Nick Harbor's going to have like nine catches this year for six touchdowns of 75 yards or more. Nine catches for 399 yards. <laughs> six touchdowns. I'd love to get Nick Harbor and 2000 and – Four version of Troy Williamson in a hundred yard dash and see how it all works out. That would be something to see. You picked up on the ninety nine yards thing. You heard Dave Neal's voice in your head when I said that, didn't you? Ninety nine. A young Dave Neal. Ninety nine yards. Twenty years ago. It was twenty years ago. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, he's. Uh, I think that's yeah. I think I think Juice. I mean, you know, if healthy, obviously, but okay. uh, I, I don't. I think Juice is going to be back and be fine. I mean, he yeah. last year, despite being grossly misused in half the games, you know, he's still he's 968 receiving yards. It's nothing to shake a stick at, you know, especially with the the games they had where they just didn't score or anything. I mean, he didn't even he's, a, he's an elite player. If he would have been targeted in the Georgia game, he would have had over a thousand. Just targeted. A target would be nice, you know. He's the best like team in the. Put him in late and let him catch yeah. the touchdown from Doty. <laughs> yeah. That saves him. The... <laughs> just you know, hey, hey uh, mean, and he blew up player? against blew yeah. up against Arkansas. Was clearly the best player on the field the week before. Or, yeah. or, I mean, yeah. or, or the best player um, on the on Carolina's offense that day. I, I I'll never forget. I, I think talking to y'all afterwards, I remember thinking to myself, "Okay, so we just played the best team in the country. South Carolina just played the best team in the country." And they chose to not throw the football to their best player. Well, all right. That makes sense. All right. Uh, I have an evil plan. <laughs> <laughs> Moving back to Mad Dog. Mad Dog, on Joyner will rush for over 700 yards this regular season. That would be an average of 58 yards per game. Mm, 700. Uh, Marshawn led the team last year again, as JC pointed out earlier. Totally different situations here. You got a different OC involved, but Marshawn didn't even eclipse the 600 yard mark. He also, though, got he got when he got into the groove last year, he got banged up. So yeah, yeah. that's true. It's like yeah, he was out when he was hurt. You know, after he started rolling. Let's see, 700 yards for Dakarian Joiner on the ground. No. Oh no, no. I think you got. Uh, I think he'll start at a clip that's going to trend him that way. But I think by the end of the year, we're going to see more of a committee approach with okay. some of the younger and new talent coming along. And I think that's what's going to keep him from doing that. Not that I'm saying that he's going to have a bad year, rushing because I think he could easily go past a thousand yards in total offensive production. Well that's but they will throw the football gets, game out of the backfield. Yeah. Do you yeah, think I he'll be think the leading rusher? Yeah, I think he'll be the leading rusher. Okay. But I think so you could possibly see three guys over four hundred yards. Oh, well, that would be something. I don't think we. I don't even know if we've ever seen that around here before. All right. So Phil says, "JV, you're a moron." I disagree. Okay. No, I'm not a moron. You know, just saying. I think you got 
you there's so many unknowns back there yeah that there's just going to be more of a committee approach although hey. i think carrion is is the number one clear lead back right out of the gate it's not close um, right now yeah no yeah no not at all yeah but i don't know i, I want to address it craig brings something up and he's not the first person i've heard it from i don't know if decarry joiner can hold up where is this coming from Degar and Joyner has not been injured a lot I mean, in his career. If, if you're he's talking about prone, he's two hundred thirty pounds. Yeah, if, if it's just in reference to the fact that running backs get banged up, I, I can get agree that. With that. I understand yeah. that. Uh, but like, if it's because, I mean, he's played through some stuff people don't even realize. So I, th- I don't think there's a question for him personally. Yeah, he's not injury prone, and, and I think people forget he's two thirty because he he doesn't look. I mean, he's when you remember him playing early in his career, he looked slender, and he's not anymore. He is probably the biggest running back we've had since the second Mike Davis. I think he was around 230, 235. He might have been a shade under, so comparable. Um, He's bigger than Marcus. No, he's not. uh, He's actually technically, theoretically right now, he he, he weighs more than Kevin Harris did. Uh, he's got him beat by about five to seven pounds. Kevin Harris actually played at two twenty-five. So, yeah, it's uh, we're going all the way back to Andrew Pinnock. I don't know. All right, uh, and and I and I see, hey Cavalier in here asking the questions. Hey, just, we're gonna be doing this every Wednesday for a long time. Just just relax. We got a game plan around here. Okay, we'll watch your show if you want to do that. Just chill out, man. All right, JC Rattler. That would be Spencer Rattler. For those wondering. Um, will who the hell is Chet Tucker? He's the new sideline reporter. Jay, I, didn't you know? I, I just learned that, but I he's a backup punter for Holtz in the nineties. Okay, that's who they're going with. Okay, uh, Spencer Rattler will complete greater than seventy percent of his passes. This year, as a point of reference, he completed 66.2 last year. Disagree. I think he'll be like Ooh. higher this year, but hater. Like 68, 69. More bullet board material for Rattler. Sure. Well, nothing against him. Right. I think he's going to have a hell of a year. I just, I think they're going to take more shots downfield, more lower percentage Shane. throws. <laughs> Phil, get oh. Shane on the phone. 70s a lot. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> it's not it's it's but but you know what though? It's not as rare as it once was. It was pretty rare back in the day. It's really not that mm-hmm. rare anymore. I agree with You're, what JC just said though. It was like I, you know, he could if he were throwing passes behind the line of scrimmage and you know, like 2 yards in front of the line of scrimmage, then yeah, he probably would hit 70 this year just because I feel like they're going to be passing the ball more, but more than likely going to be throwing it down the field more this year. So 70, yeah, by the I, way, yeah, one of 30. 70. 21 of 30. If he's 21 of 30 every game, he's at 70%. Just so you know. Well, you take that. Yeah. yeah and I, if he does, Carolina's going to have a pretty good year. So. Yeah. No if, no, if he's throwing 50 passes a game, I don't know about all that. All right. Uh, back to uh, Mad Dog. We're going to volley this thing back to his side of the court. Marcellus Dial will lead the team in interceptions. Phil? 
Not sure if you're aware of this or not, the statistician that you are, but he did lead the team last year with three. Yes, yes and he will not this year. He will not. So no opportunity. Okay. Wait, opportunity. They're going to team up to throw it away from him, so somebody else will lead the team in interceptions because he will not have so many opportunities to intercept the ball. So let me ask you this then, because when we when we last talked to Marcellus, he told me he was going to have six. I think was the number. Uh, will he will he equal his production from last year from a pick standpoint? He also, by the way, said he'd pick off two in the Georgia game alone. Well, let's hope. I, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just think that you know this guy is not a completely unknown quantity. He's getting a lot of preseason hype. He's got NFL eyes on him, and the league knows that. So it's going to be a situation where if he gets six, I hope he does. Well, it's kind of like Ken, incredible, Ken but it, last year, yeah, that's because that's what I'm thinking. Like last year is that everybody was expecting Cam Smith, you know, to do that, and then next thing you well, know, it's Cam Smith should have. He dropped three or four of he them. Dropped, last year. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, J.C. Horn had very few interceptions in South Carolina. Yeah, very few. And Stephon had um, – it wasn't as big of a number as you'd think either. I think he had more earlier in his career. It, it You're right. It rarely happens. Well, you, they're rarely the leader when you – yeah. Well, when you have two, that's what it – that's what like Andre Goodman and Sheldon Brown had a lot lot of picks. Because they sure did. They, they both mm-hmm. shut down their side of the field. and you know, you, you look back, Jonathan Joseph that year, I think Fred Bennett was on the other side of him and Co Simpson was at safety in Spurrier's first year. Uh, you know, Captain Monerland had a lot of picks, um, you know, but uh, because Captain was so good, Carlos Thomas, who was sort of average, and, and Stoney Woodson, who did get drafted, uh, had their share. So it, it, the, 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 it gets spread around. I, I want to see what happens uh, – Interception wise, with the two safeties this year too, with DQ and, and Nick, uh, I think being more comfortable back there. I'm with you. You know, they're yeah. going to end up. Um, you're you're on some, it. Some more things happen. You're on it. I agree with you 100. percent I think that those guys last year, uh, as good as they were, were still learning to play football, to cover in space, to make tackles. You know, learning where they needed to be and when they needed to be there, and those type of things. Now they've learned how to read the eyes of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And when that <laughs> happens, you know, big thing. I mean, DQ Smith did it at the end of the season, you know. Uh, so I'm with you. I think that's – I think you're – I think you're on the money with that. All right, who's up next here? Schubert? Yeah, you and uh, Mike Morgan can't spell, apparently, so y'all are a match made in heaven. All right, JC, South Carolina will score four or more special teams touchdowns this season. Disagree. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. you see, so you're going under four. I'm going to go with three. Three? One, just because the things that happened last year, like you get two two pump blocks for touchdowns in the same game, that doesn't always happen. That doesn't happen every year. Uh, kickoff returns for touchdowns unless you have a guy like Debo Samuel who's just a freak at it. Mm-hmm. And nothing against Xavier Leggett. I mean, I think he's a talented returner. That doesn't happen every year. Uh, but wait, uh, no. All right, so let me back up though. Are we? I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna. I, can I change my answer? <laughs> there are no rules. 
Well, there are no, there no, no rules on agree returns. disagree. Yeah, punt return. I, I'm going to go over just, because hey, we're living in San Francisco. There are no rules. I, I, in, my, in my feeble brain, I'm sitting there thinking returns and blocks, and I'm not thinking about the, all the fakes they dial up on the uh, on the kicks and stuff. Okay, so that's a lot. So three is not a big number. So I'm going to go over three because I mean. Yeah. I don't think you can count on however many they had last year. But uh, Pete Limbo has always got something up their sleeve. You know, Clint says teams will be looking for stuff on special teams now. Yeah, I agree with you, Clint. But the, the beauty of it is yeah. Limbo's not like your normal special teams guy. He'll sit there and dissect what they do. And he's like Steve Spurrier, but for special teams. Mm-hmm. And, oh shoot! Well, when they shift here, that's a touchdown. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, South Carolina probably has a fake on every time they kick and punt the ball. Absolutely, it's all. Oh, yeah, if they get oh, the right no question. Yeah. So that kind of, kind of stuff gets hard, hard to defend. And they and they have a guy who under who who uh, like Kai. They have Kai. It's not like any normal punter who's like. Ah, the hell with it. I'm going to throw it here. No, it's, it's like he knows what he's doing. I mean, he can see it. He can read it. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, don't tell the folks at the Ray Guy Award that they think there's two punters at Mississippi State better than him. Yeah, one of them's from like uh, New Zealand or something. He's never even punted in college, but you know, it is what it is. They split no, Kiwi. It's probably a New Zealand that list, committee. That list, when you and I were on the phone that day, when I was like, what the hell is this? That was bogus. They, they, they had already released the whole Ray Guy list, and then they put that tweet out. It was very misworded. He is actually on the list. Um, oh. it's, yeah. I, 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 matter of fact, Wes Mitchell texted me. He goes, he got me too, man. They screwed it up. It's a bogus tweet. I was like, yeah, well, I bet Ray Guy is happy about that. All right, she uh, agrees. I, I don't care. Yeah. They still deserve to be called out. I take nothing yeah, back. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, regret, I regret nothing I said. To them. That tweet no. was ridiculous. You listed like <laughs> – 12 guys, you should have said added to the list. You didn't say that. You just said these are our finalists. What a bunch of morons. Fire someone, Ray Guy, fire. All right, final question. This is a uh, bonus question for the both of you. Uh, last year, and we'll start with Matt Doug. Last year, South Carolina averaged 100. And I, yeah, I don't even want to read it. 118.8 yards per game rushing. That's a tr- Ferocious. Will they average over? Or they will average 150 yards per game or more this year. Agree or disagree? 150. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm going to disagree. I am too. I'm you like, I, a 150. I like, I could see them doing better than 118, but not Way 150. Better. No, no. They last went over 150 a season. It wasn't long ago. It was 2020. They averaged 167 per game. Now you're with Kevin Harris. Yeah. No, I, I South Carolina is recruiting to the point, and, and before everybody starts talking about running back recruiting, I'm not necessarily talking about that. Uh, they're, they're building the roster to the point where they're going to be able to line up and run it effectively. Uh, in the trenches, they're just not there yet. I mean, in my opinion, um, and, and you, you got to do what you're good at. You know, uh, I think again, the previous guy, and I can't believe he's taking up so much of our time today. You know, he he was almost too stubborn with the run game. 
you know, and when, when his offense, whatever, if you call it that, if they weren't able to run the ball, he's at, you know, at least a little, he's just like throwing the towel uh, until the end where they told him, well, if you're not running it, you know, the com- the common sense, the Steve Spurrier voice comes out. Well, shoot, if you can't run it, just throw it. Throw it. <laughs> um, I, I But South Carolina's had this issue for a long time. Um, you know, very rarely have we seen a Gamecock team uh, through the history, their history in the ACC, SEC lineup and run the football uh, effectively every single time out. Even Marcus Lattimore had games where – 15 carries, 32 yards, things like that. Uh, but I think they're getting there. I think they're building that in the trenches. You, you talk, you hear them talk about this freshman offensive line class, and you got a bunch of big guys, big time guys coming in next. Uh, you know, you start bulking that up. You know, not all of them are going to be all Americans, but uh, you get to the point where you can compete. And obviously, you got to sign talented backs as well. But I, I think Beamer, well, that's one thing I think that takes time. Mm-hmm. More time than two years, three years worth of recruiting is building that ability to line up and run it uh, and all that good stuff. So I, I, I'm going to say they get if they can get about 130, 135, Craig says 135, I'm with you there. That's yeah. enough per game. Uh, I think with the weapons they have in the past game to to keep defenses honest and make things happen. Okay. I'll, I'll disagree with both of you. I think, I think they, I think they'll find a way to do it. Find a way. I just, Please. I just don't need, I just way. don't need Shane calling me. If he can call both of you, I don't care what he does with y'all. He can chew your butt out all day, but I ain't gonna let him chew me out. So, all right, Shane, we'll give you one fifty-one per game. Just remember, JB said that. By the way, South Carolina eleven and one under Shane Beamer when they rushed for over a hundred yards per game. They were six and zero last year. Just a hundred. That's it. Not one fifty. Just a hundred. So get to that hundred yard mark. Things seems to work out for Gamecock football. And that completes our first segment of Agree or Disagree. Let's see. Uh, Jay, I, I will, just for blanks and giggles here, I'll agree with JC that I think Juice uh, leads the team in receiving yardage. I disagree with JC. I think Rattler will be over 70%. Um, that's not asking a whole lot to do that. Um, I agree that they'll score four more touchdowns Last year, they allowed 198 yards per game rushing when they improved that by 30 or more. Phil said he agrees. Uh, I'm going to disagree. I think it'll be in the 170s somewhere. Uh, to carry on, Joyner will rush for over 700 yards. I disagree with that as well. I think it'll be somewhere in the sixes. That's why I put it at seven. And Marcellus Dial will lead the team in interceptions. Um, I disagree with I'm with Phil. I disagree as well. I'm going to go with DQ Smith. DQ Smith will have three or four, somewhere in there. And South Carolina this year will finish 15-0. and 0, And they will win the national championship. And Spencer Rattler at the end of the year will still be considered an undrafted free agent, according to the pros. All right, there you go. All right, before we hit a timeout here, as I know we got to double these breaks, and Brad Crawford will come in. According to 24-7 Sports, uh, there will be a couple of second-team All-Americans facing off in Charlotte. In just a couple of weeks, they've got Drake May as a second-team All-American quarterback out of North Carolina, and the punter from South Carolina, Kai Kroger, on another All-American list. He is the second-team All-American punter, according to 247 Sports. If um, those of you who are frustrated because he is not on the first team, JC voted on this and actually put him on the second team, so you can blame him. I'm just kidding. Uh, for for reference here, who, Tori- who's the first-team punter? Who, 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 Tori Taylor from Iowa. 
Oh, it would be in Iowa. That's a sack. That's by the way, the first team all purpose player according to twenty four seven sports. All purpose. First team. Travis Hunter from Colorado. Colorado. Mm. The mercenary. Yeah. He wouldn't be on any of my teams because I he's a mercenary. I mean, he, he anyway. Have we seen him against any quality competition as of yet in his career? I don't know, but it was no, he's what, talented. What? Yeah. Very big splash. Yeah. But you know, I, I, no, no, Travis Hunter would not be the word team should not be affiliated with that guy. <laughs> How could anybody not pull for a guy named Kool Aid McKinstry from Alabama? I mean, he is. I mean, that's dude. the whole name thing for sure. Yeah, yeah. My man. Yeah, dude. Kool Aid. I, I, I love hearing Nick Saban talk about him. You know, like like it's just like his name's Fred or something. Well, yeah. Kool Aid is uh, Kool Aid had a good a day. Very studious young man. He, All right, uh, does what he needs to do. Kool Aid is a quit asking leader. Okay. All right. All right. Kool Aid. Quit asking. Quit asking. Drake's lemonade. Oh yeah. Stop asking. <laughs> Stop. All right. We want to get in the line. Everybody ask a question. All right. All yeah. right. All right. I really want to see Kool-Aid go up against Juice. We're all thirsty to see it. Talk about joke day. There you go. I mean, the Iowa punter is a joke because they didn't have an offense. He punted 1,075 times. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know. What else can he do? Can he throw a touchdown? No. Volume shooter. <laughs> is he a lefty? No. Did he throw a touchdown? Iowa football is melatonin, BRC says. Yes. Yeah. yeah well, they're ranked, you know. Everybody's like, oh, Iowa's going to be – Really good this year, again. How they so? Felt- they kept their offensive coordinator. They, well, they scored oh. almost ten points per game last year. That's good. They throw the word McNamara, the name McNamara, around oh. as if they didn't. Really it's because everybody likes to be right. And Iowa <laughs> shut out Kentucky. <laughs> Iowa shut out Kentucky at the end of the year in the bowl, and so everybody's like, "Oh, well, that was a good Kentucky team." Well, that was a Kentucky team without Lovis. It's the same one Carolina beat. All right. All right. All right. Speaking of that, we are out of time in hour number one. Why did the Clydesdale give the pony a glass of water? Because of beer? I don't know. Because he was a little horse. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Crawford. Ah! That's hilarious. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're in the real estate market in the Lowcountry or even in the Midlands, please contact me, 
JB with Coast to Coast Realty SC. You hear me and see me every day here on Inside the Gamecocks, and it would be an honor to earn your business. I've been around real estate my entire life as it's somewhat of a family business. I work with an elite team of experts from loans to insurance to closing, and they make my clients and my life very easy. It really is elite. Coast to Coast Realty SC dot com is where you can find our staff and you can always reach out to me here as well go gamecocks cool joe here and when i'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in destin i like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket mm. and the only pimento cheese i like to eat is from nana's porch it's award-winning it'll melt in your mouth it's good on a cracker it's good in a bowl it's good on a piece of bread also don't forget nana's porch has a hell of a food truck it's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style. In seconds, they're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today.
throwing in Charlotte here in a couple of weeks, guys. Yeah, it won't be long. Won't be long. Won't be long. Final hour on a hump day, and it's not blow dryer day outside. It has been roasting for how long around here, but thank God you can actually walk out and not wet through your shirt anymore. Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. The Barndominiumco.com. Build that dream home. Man, they are something special. As low as $160 per square foot in as JC says, North Kakalaki or South Kakalaki. That Carolinas is what they're commonly referred to, Tennessee or Georgia as well. The great Brad Crawford has been kind enough uh, to give us some of his time as we get closer and closer to kickoff. Brad, we're theoretically, what, 10 days out from the start of college football? Uh, do they no. still call that week zero or are we calling it week one? What are we doing? August 26th is week zero. Yeah, we got one SEC team playing Vanderbilt against Hawaii at the spacious Vanderbilt Stadium, 28,000 this season. Saw that. <laughs> oh, man. What's it going to be when they're done with renovations? Do you all know? Empty. 28,000? <laughs> 18,512. Easy, easy. These are good people up there. They're always accommodating. They, they, they allow every opposing team to seat the majority of fans in the ballpark. What's That's more accommodating right. than that? Man, they were tough to deal with during the Franklin era, though. I yeah. mean, because they were they were good. And yeah. they uh, – I lived in Nashville at the time, and uh, their, their ranks grew from about 19 to about 35. And uh, I'll never forget, they, they, they got so big. I've told the story before. The, the I picked them to go winless in Derek Mason's first year in, in the SEC, and people thought it was crazy. Because they had all these guys back off of nine and fourteen, I was like, "Derek Mason's going to gear that offense back and try to run it like Stanford." And you're not that—that's not the type of team he, Franklin, recruited. You guys don't get—you don't understand football, and they don't. So they, they were dull, big, and bad, and played Ole Miss at the Titan Stadium, right? Because they were, well, we have plenty of fans now. So all thirty-five of those people were there, and they're getting all liquored up. And I think Ole Miss beat them like forty-eight nothing. <laughs> and in the middle of the game, some handy fan just – he gave up in the middle of the game on everything, on life, just in general. Got oh up and tossed his beer on the uh, – like, ah, you suck. <laughs> and his golden and – his golden – his khakis and his golden black polo. And I don't think anybody ever saw that guy again. I started pulling for Ole Miss, but that was a, that was a lot of fun for me that year because that was 2014 and Carolina wasn't all that good. Uh, but uh, very disappointing. Yeah, yeah, the the first Vandy South Carolina game I went to was was 06. I won't I won't talk about that one. But the next uh, I think 08 maybe uh, was Lattimore's 246 he had and 2421 game. That was the first game that I took my father in law to in Columbia. His first SEC atmosphere. He's like, man, this, this is pretty special. I think you're off by two years. Yeah. 2010, 08. Vandy beat him in 07, beat South Carolina in 07, 08. Seventeen to six is the game, is the first Vandy home game I went to. Where yeah. oh, that was oh yeah. seven. That was yeah. Okay, so the, the Marcus game you're thinking of was that was after the win in Chapel Hill. Oh nine. Man. All right, so Navy he went for a bunch against Navy. That for some reason Eric Hyman <laughs> Navy scheduled yeah. Navy that year. Yeah, I mean, who, who they scheduled Navy and at UCF during that time period? I'm like, what I think you? he scored on a screen pass too. That that uh, yeah, I mean, he was he and he's the he's. Probably the reason they survived, maybe. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, man, there were a lot of a lot of great uh, 
great wins. Uh, I think uh, they're with uh, with uh, great games with Vandy through the years, and you know Carolina lost those two in a row, and then they struggled to beat them really in 09 and 2010 and 11 was close for a while. Then then it's just been yeah. No matter how bad let's hope, Carolina let's hope it stays is. that way because I I do disagree with uh, with uh, with Brad's brilliance of picking the schedule. I think Vanderbilt will win more than one game in the SEC this year, Brad. That's just my, but Possibly, yeah. you know, in, in America, we are allowed to have differing opinions and not, uh, not get a, get upset over it. That's what they tell us at least. Um, Hey, real quick, Brad, uh, why shouldn't you write with a broken pencil? Because pens are available. <laughs> no, because it's pointless. <laughs> wow. I, I if, if I had to better, guess one person that's full of dad jokes, it'd probably be Brad. I think Brad's probably pretty talented. <laughs> I got a bad joke for you. Yeah, yeah. I got for, for, for years. What, it's what National kind of Joke pants, Day. What kind of pants does a ghost wear? Boo jeans. Boo <laughs> <laughs> jeans. Dear Lord. Uh, All right. Oh, man. All right, All right, so, so, Brad, Brad who yeah. voted for punter for the, the – who, who put this punter from Iowa over Kai Kern on the honor? Is that, is that an opinion you agree with? I don't know, man. The, the CBS All-American team came out today, and Kai's not even first team on that. And, and you know I voted for him. I mean, what other punter has three career touchdown passes? I mean, Dude, come on. He averages 46 yards a punt. I mean, He has a perfect quarterback efficiency rating, man. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. He's, and, he's and, literally he's the most and, accurate quarterback in the country. How many punters – Win game has have like had that that much of an impact on their team winning games, right? I mean, you can't tell me he wasn't the he, he, I mean, not the reason, but he's a big reason South Carolina beat Clemson. Uh, he's, I mean, he's, a, he's a guy who makes you know head coaches call timeouts when game costs get in punt formation because you want to make sure you're not going to get screwed over by a fake, you know? Yeah. yeah, he's he's definitely the best returning punter in college football. Yeah, I agree, I agree with that. All right, Brad, uh. People, people, people are. Uh, you're used to this. People are all upset with you. Sure. Uh, apparently, you've. I know you've apparently we've lost Jamie somewhere. Jamie, Jamie froze up there. Oh, oh there you go. Am I back? I'm sorry. You froze yeah, up. Yeah. All right. Continue all right. your uh, question. I guess uh, seven and five instead of a ten and two, right? Well, that yeah, that and it, I didn't see this, but apparently, did you pick North Carolina to beat the Gamecocks in Week One? People are really upset by this. I think UNC and Clemson are going to be a split, a split type game, split split series, and I think Gamecocks will be better in November than they will be in September. Now, now, much of my belief in that is based on what I've been told by by a few folks down there. You know, this this coaching staff doesn't know who the starting five offensive line is right now. There, there's no set five. I think there's some concern there. Obviously, losing Jalen Nichols was – it hurt. And, and the Gamecocks still need consistency. And you look at some of the other SEC teams, you know, Gamecocks don't have the luxury of opening up against a Ball State or a Murray State or somebody. You know, a Middle Tennessee, Alabama. How, how, how nice of it Nick Saban is going to play all three quarterbacks in his season opener and get a good look at all of them. Meanwhile, the Gamecocks play a top 25 team in UNC. So – uh, for for me, there, there's some questions that still need to be solved. And, you know, you look at the running back room, if there's no one to block for those four scholarship guys, then might be some issues. So, yeah, I, I think the UNC game is a toss-up right now. 
I do think the Clemson game at home in November sets up more favorably for the Gamecocks. So what I just heard there, boys and girls, is he said he thinks it's a split for those that are hanging on every word. If he's got South Carolina losing against North Carolina, then that means he's got him beating Clemson. You could probably ask every Carolina fan on earth who said, all right, if you got to win one and lose one, they're all going to take the scenario you just rolled out. Um, If that's okay. All right. uh, You've got him at seven and five overall, four and four. Does that, they finished last year eight and four in the regular season, Brad. Would a seven and five record four and four in the league mean that they're actually a worse football team than what they were in 2022? I don't think so. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago at SEC Media Days that despite the final record of this 2023 team, I think Shane Beamer is heading in the much positive direction for this program. I think the playoff expansion to 12 teams in 2024 and beyond is going to greatly benefit a program like South Carolina, where if you go nine and three one year, guys, with a couple wins over top 10 opponents, which the Gamecocks play four or five a year then you're probably going to make the playoff as one of those at-large teams. So I think with SEC expansion, playoff expansion, I think the Gamecocks are a sleeping giant of sorts, and Shane is recruiting at a level right now that is necessary to make that 12-team playoff. Is there a ceiling to their win total this year in your mind with the schedule that they play? I think super optimistic would be 9-3, and three, and, and that would probably be losses to uh, Georgia – on the road in Tennessee, and then maybe somewhere else, maybe at Missouri, home against Kentucky, Clemson. One of those. But I, I think at Tennessee and at Georgia, they're they're up against it a little bit because not only are both those teams more talented, but you got to go to Athens and Neyland. And, you know, guys, those, those two spots have been kind of har- horrific for the Gamecocks in recent years, except for that, you know, win where Izzy had three interceptions of Jake Fromm. Oh, God, that day was unbelievable. To carry on, Joyner. Also yeah. had a lot to do with that. Is there any benefit to, and it sucks, they got to do it in three weeks, but is there any benefit to getting both of those teams in September or now? I think so, especially Georgia, because Georgia, like I said, opens up against two essentially FCS programs. We know they're FBS, but, I mean, it's going to be two glorified scrimmages for the Bulldogs. And really, this new-look Georgia defense is going to have six new starters on it. They don't play an SEC team until week three, which is South Carolina. You've got one of the better SEC quarterbacks coming in there. So Georgia's secondary is certainly elite elite on paper, but they're not going to face you know anything downfield until week three. So I think Kirby Smart is going to not show a ton the first two weeks of the season. He probably doesn't have to. Uh, Carson Beck, the new quarterback, is going to find a rhythm against you – know, two pretty bad defenses. So we're not going to know who, who Georgia is, excuse me, until the Gamecocks come in there in week three. How about Tez Walker? I know that's a guy you're really high on, and I agreed with you. Uh, yeah. uh, any any inside buzz about uh, him being eligible uh, if they appeal? I mean, I know the governor's written the NCAA, and Amazing. everybody's outraged about it. Um yeah, Roy Cooper's a UNC grad, man. What you expect, you know? Yeah, so he uh, – but everybody uh, seems to be upset. So uh, what, what do you think the outcome of that will be? I mean, you know, from a Gamecock standpoint, I think that takes a lot away from North Carolina's offense. Um, and so you take it. From a general humanity standpoint, I think it's a pile of dung. 
that the NCAA did that to a kid. Yeah. But uh, so, but what are you hearing on that one? Chimp Lindsay, uh, UNC's new first-year offensive coordinator, he fully expects Tez Walker to suit up for them against the Gamecocks. You know, we're what well, we're like 14 or 15 days away now from kickoff. So, you know, the NCAA, UNC would love to hear a decision, you know, this week or next, whether that happens. But I think if Tez Walker does not play September 2nd, that's a bigger loss for UNC than, say, if Juice Wells is unavailable for South Carolina. Both these guys are going to be wide receiver one at their respective schools. But behind Tez Walker, UNC has literally no proven targets for, for Drake May, whereas South Carolina feels pretty good about its wide receiver group. They've got a five-star freshman who's going to make his debut, too. You guys know who that is. So uh, Tez Walker, for, for UNC to maybe hit that above win total this year, I think it's at seven and a half is UNC's win total. Drake May needs him to suit up against the Gamecocks. If he can't, let's say the ruling, let's say uh, let's say the ruling comes down and they they stay put. And uh, and I, I I'm not uh, don't misunderstand me here either, Brad. I, I'm not saying that Chip Lindsey is a, is lying or anything like that. But if you are North Carolina, regardless of what you have or haven't heard, you want South Carolina to continue to prepare for Tez Walker. Of course, um, you know you're, you're not going to say anything different. But um, let's say that he doesn't. Let's say they say, nah, you know, we're going to stick to our guns here. Or let's say it's a Jalen Brooks type situation where they get, what, four games into the year. And then they say, well, I tell you what, we've, we, we woke up from our nap and you can come play. Um, what is that? I mean, Drake May is outside of Caleb Williams right now, widely regarded as one of the top two or three quarterbacks in college football as it stands in August. Yeah. Uh, what What does that do for him? Uh, you just mentioned the the lack of depth behind Tez Walker. South Carolina seemingly has more options for a talented guy named Spencer Rattler. But what does it do for 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 Drake May and and the outlook of the the type of season he's expected to have? Yeah, he was also UNC's leading rusher last season with about six hundred yards. So so he's going to be moving around those first couple of weeks. And not only does UNC play South Carolina to open, they play App State a couple of weeks later, and then host Minnesota, a team that. You know, one of the front runners in the Big Ten West. So that's three pretty tough non-conference games in September before UNC opens the ACC slate. And that's that's probably why you see the win total at seven and a half, despite having Drake May rather than at, you know, eight and a half or nine. So this is a UNC team that I I sort of had as a borderline top 25 team. I think if Tez Walker is not on this team, I do not think they're a top 25 uh, program this fall. But um Drake May is certainly one of the best quarterbacks the Gamecocks are going to face this fall. That's a that's a, Brad. That's an interesting statement. Brad Crawford with twenty four seven Sports. You mentioned those first three. By the way, their fourth game is at Pitt. It is a strange start yep. to the year for North Carolina with the game in Charlotte, App State, whom they held on barely last year, sixty three sixty one. That was maybe the wildest game of the entire college football season. If anybody actually remembers the details of it. And then uh, they, they you mentioned PJ Fleck in Minnesota, and then they got to go to Pitt, um, who won what nine or ten games last year themselves. So who knows? Okay. This is gonna, and I was going to say too, JB, this is going to be one of the only uh, teams defense like the Gamecocks play where they run a three-three-five, and and UNC's too deep. It's pretty much all juniors and seniors at at D line and linebacker. So I'm kind of interested in seeing, you know, Dow Logan's debut as OC. That's another kind of storyline within the game, and just you know, can this makeshift offensive line in the season opener open enough holes up and, and protect Spencer Rattler? 
I'm probably going to steal a question from JC here. Uh, I'm sure it's on his it's on his radar. But you just you just brought up Dowell, whom if you read Spencer Rattler's comments yesterday, it, it's it seems like it's night and day for him in preparing for this season versus last year preparing for the year under Coach Sat. But you've also mentioned Chip Lindsey, a guy who's he's been well traveled over the last few years uh, in, in, as an offensive coordinator. Um, what? What uh, or which offensive coordinator, which offense, maybe I should ask, are, are you more excited to see in week one? I mean, they're going to play each other. They're both first year offensive coordinators at their respective programs, although Lindsay has called plays in college before. Which one is more intriguing at this point in time for you? Yeah, I think if we get to see Tez Walker and Juice Wells play, I think both fan bases should be pretty excited. And I'll say this too that I think both are also sort of cautiously optimistic as to what we're going to see. UNC is not running the air raid anymore. Phil Longo went to Wisconsin. As you mentioned, they brought in Chip Lindsey, who runs sort of a run-heavy Gus Malzahn type thing. And, you know, with Drake May, considering how well he's a dual threat, this UNC offense is going to look a lot different. I don't think the Gamecocks offense is going to look vastly different from last season. Now, I, I say that with, you know, the, the caveat, it's not going to be a Marcus Satterfield offense either. Spencer Rattler, all these guys, A.B. Brown, have said throughout fall camp that they're more comfortable. I'm, I'm pretty encouraged by that. You know, if, if I'm a South Carolina fan right now, I, I feel pretty good that just about every player who's been in front of the microphone during fall practice has says they're more comfortable out on the field. And, you know, we didn't hear that at all last fall. No, or pretty much throughout the entire year. Uh, what happened, Brad? Have you gone back and looked? I mean, Spencer Rattler finished the year, regardless of the couple of picks that were thrown in the in the uh, in the Clemson game, even through one in the Notre Dame game. Um, but outside of that, Tennessee, Clemson, Notre Dame, with the lack of options to to work with in the Notre Dame game as well, he was one of the best quarterbacks in college football. The same cannot be said though for Drake May. As much hype as he's getting, the last four games of the year were a struggle for him. Four straight losses. Georgia Tech, North Carolina State, and Clemson uh, were those three. They were uh, those final two were played at home. The Clemson game was in the ACC title game, and then Oregon in the uh, Holiday Bowl. Uh, none of them he threw for over 300 yards. None of them he led the team in rushing, although collectively he did throughout the year. Yeah. What what happened in the last four games of last year to Drake May and Phil Longo in that offense? Why did it change? I think the UNC team last year. You know they started around eight and one. They got up to number 15 or so, and they were really knocking on that playoff conversation door had they, you know, finished strong and beaten Clemson. But those last four weeks, as you mentioned, he he struggled a bit. The the NC State game was sort of the smoking gun. I mean, he he got outplayed by a third-team NC State quarterback who went into Keenan Stadium and won. Ask any NC State fan. They just knew they were going to lose that game. Then Dave Doran beats Mac Brown head-to-head. Sort of like Dylan Thompson that year he went to – Death Valley, when we all knew Connor was going to start, he was a late scratch, and we saw what happened there. But, yeah, that that was a tough-to-stomach uh, loss. You know, there, there's been speculation all offseason that, you know, if UNC goes 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five this year, does Mac Brown step away because he's losing Drake May as a future first-round pick? Um, and, and Gene Chizik is kind of the uh, head coach in, in, in waiting there, so to speak. But Whoa. I, I, I do think that UNC would go – you know, bigger than Chizik. That, that's, a, that's a really good job that I think somebody can perform at. But, yeah, la- last four games of the season for Drake May, not what he wanted to do. Play, played a little better against Oregon, 
in that bowl loss. But look, he's he's one of the best quarterbacks nationally. I ranked him uh, this week as the most valuable player on any team in college football. UNC is a five-win team without Drake May this season. Wow. Do you – the Chiswick thing – boy, that's interesting. I could see a Kevin Steele scenario unfolding there, like what happened at Auburn. Mm. You know, they, they make terrible hires, though. Yeah, yeah, they and do. Think about this, guys. Come on. Larry Fedora. The, the, the one guy they hired that was an up-and-comer was uh, Larry Fedora. And I was like, yeah, it's not going to work. Right. Well, I'm sorry. I, I digress. Butch Davis. That was a hell of a hire. And yeah, it all it fell apart because John Blake's. Yeah, you see, uh, Larry Larry Fedora's Southern Miss team, the year after he left, they went 0-11. Ellis Johnson got inherited that much. Right. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, you're looking at, at NASCAR, Carl Torbush, NASCAR, two years. <laughs> John Bunting oh. could have had Steve Spurrier had you fired Bunting a year earlier. Didn't do it. That's true. Uh, Butch. That's true collapsing in a cascading NCAA cloud that ended up leading to that academic scandal they had, by the way. And then uh, Fedora comes in, Mr. Abs, wins a little bit. Then I think once he gets his players in there, things aren't going that well. Mr. Mr. Abs. Turn, come to find out, he did sign two good running backs and Michael Carter, not Smith. I said Smith yesterday. Javante Williams and Mack inherits it and brings Phil Longo in, and they do pretty well. Uh, and now Max is kind of mediocre. I mean, yeah. and now they're they're going to get rid of him and hire Gene Chizik. I mean, why don't we yeah. hire Larry Coker? Like, well, where's Larry Coker? What's Larry Coker doing these days? You've had Mitch, Sam Howell, Drake May, and you're like seven <laughs> games over 500. I mean, those are all NFL quarterbacks. I, I'm confused as to why Gene Chizik would would be a guy that they would consider to be the next head coach who's already on staff over Sparky Woods. I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding. Man. It's National Joke Day. All right. I just figured we had to. There you go. That was a good one. Because a lot of people don't realize Sparky Woods is on staff at North Carolina. He is. And he took that L in the. Um, he took the W in 19 and took an L in uh, 2021. I've actually, I've actually lost a really good friend over the UNC South Carolina rivalry back in like 2006 or whenever what? it was. Yeah. When. <laughs> Whenever, whenever Lottie Eiser boy or whoever it was batted down that ball at the goal line, they won in Keenan Stadium. Man, man, me and me and an old friend of mine like really got into it. <laughs> God, that was a, they were that was a moral uh, victory for the Tar Heels, right? Yeah, in 07. in 07. I was at that game. Was yeah, Carolina was up twenty-one to nothing in that game. I was then, in the press box. I was, I was sitting in the UNC student section, but y'all know I wasn't wearing blue. So. Nah. Oh, that, yeah, what, yeah. That, I tell you what, that game was in October. Yeah, nice weather, it beautiful, beautiful, beautiful setting. And he, I mean, you could yeah. just smell the football in the air there. That was that was a, and then I had to go sit in the press box. Chris Kelly had a really good first half. He, oh, he killed it. He had a great first quarter. I know that when yeah. they were up twenty-one to nothing, I was like, oh my god, we're going to embarrass these guys. Yeah, ball game. I got a text from Keith. It was with me at the game. He said, "Ball game," and it got <laughs> yeah, really hairy. You never well, want to hear that as a Gamecock fan. That's when well, you first kind of realized T.J. Yates was not going to suck. Right. Yeah. Well, and he we ended figured, up lasted in the NFL. You know? those, those, the last three quarters of that game, too, J.C., were uh, pretty representative of what the rest of the season was going to look like because Carolina didn't win a daggum game after that, starting with what Brad already mentioned, the loss against <laughs> Vanderbilt. Yep. Lost a heartbreaker at Tennessee, which allowed them to win the division that year. 
It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the overtime. Yeah, lost the clubs. The Clemson game was even worse. Heartbreak. Clemson was probably better than South Carolina that year. The Gamecocks came all the way back. Blake started hitting passes through it. Lacorn for a touchdown to get him up, which was the same pass smelly through to Deion Lacorn that put them up 21 3 at Chapel, Chapel Hill up there. Yeah. Same little slant in the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. Place is going crazy, and Charlie Whitehurst is gone, but Cullen Harkin is a fourth and whatever, right? Fourth and 10. Uh, and I said all week on the radio, I said, what they have to avoid is Aaron Kelly versus Addison Williams. And on that fourth down, I remember I saw Ron Cooper almost in slow motion sitting Addison Williams in the game, patting him on the butt. Go on in, boy. And I was like, oh, no, 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 please keep going. And there he is. Sure enough, audible slant, first down. And then they yep. took the field goal to win it, and Tommy smirked away. And that, that was Tommy's game. Yeah, that's, that's a shoot. I'm telling stories. Brad. <laughs> Uh, before, I, I don't know how long we got with you, but just a couple more minutes. I know. Um, just a few days ago, the twenty twenty three or the first AP top twenty five preseason poll came out. Yeah. Um, who do you have as being a little overrated in that poll? I think Washington has a chance to finish the season unranked. Caleb uh, DeBoer had a really good first season last year. I know Michael Penix is a Heisman candidate. Look, he's he's already experienced arm soreness in August. In in August, that's that, that's not a good thing heading into the season. No, <laughs> open up against Boise State. You know, either Boise or Tulane is going to be the G5's New Year's Six team. That's that's a tough opener. They go to Michigan State in Week Three, then they play four or five ranked teams in the Pac-12. So, Washington team every every year, guys. There's one or two top ten preseason teams that finished, you know, low twenties to to unranked. I think Washington might, might be that squad this year. Brad, I've got – I don't know if you've looked this far ahead, but I, I, I happened to – we were talking to Mike Morgan yesterday, and I mentioned it while we were discussing with him because um, I think that in week – it's week five that Fox has already decided Michigan at Nebraska is the big noon kickoff that okay. week. Yeah. Um, so I thought, well, let me go to week five and just check out what other Big Ten games are going on as to why they chose that game. I didn't even get that far. What I noticed, and I'm just saying this on the heels of your comment about Washington, what I noticed that week, and this will all, this is all going to change before then, but if the large majority of these teams are playing well, it won't change a ton. Number one, Georgia, two, Michigan, four, Bama, five, LSU, six, Southern Cal, seven, Penn State, nine, Clemson, and ten, Washington are all on the road that oh, week. That'll be a fun weekend, huh? Eight top ten teams as it stands today on the road, and they're not snoozers. Georgia's at Auburn, I just mentioned Michigan at Nebraska, Bama's at Mississippi State, LSU at Ole Miss, Southern Cal makes the trip to Colorado uh, to see uh, Dion and the boys, Penn State at Northwestern, Clemson is at Syracuse, and we've seen before, things can get interesting up there as well. Washington, by the way, will be at uh, Arizona. Hell, they get arrested at Death Valley at Memorial Stadium, too, when they play Syracuse. That's true. Yeah, that's Dino true. Babers, if Dino Babers were at a better school, he would be like 7-1 and one against Dabo. Yeah. But they, they like last year, the refs helped them, and they found a way to, to lose that one down, down in the Memorial Stadium. But, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's week five. By then, Clemson could be starting, you know, uh, you know whatever. Um, 
All right, speaking of Clemson, Brad, I, I found your underrated teams to be very interesting. Uh -huh. they're, they're all pretty relatable to us. Yeah. The Tigers at nine. Yep. South Carolina, you've got them underrated. They're not even ranked. And you've got Alabama underrated at four. And I'm just going to go on record and say Alabama's going to win the national championship. No. Because you don't, you, you, you can't, you can't underrate Nick Saban. You just never, when that happens, he likes to shove it in your face. We don't ever get an opportunity to to call Alabama underrated because they're never ranked fourth. I think this is the lowest been ranked since 2009, yeah. and that season they won the national championship with Mark Ingram. That's right. Um, beat beat Tim Tebow in, in his final game in the Georgia Dome. Actually, that was a uh, quite a fun. Oh, by the way, Swamp Kings comes out into this week. It's fantastic. It's yep. it's better than the Johnny Menzel documentary. You I, saw I, it. You yeah, and there's a lot of South Carolina feature too. First two episodes, oh, they, they detailed 2005 win over the Gators, the 06 Jarvis Moss. You know, we know what happened there. Um, so after that uh, 05 game, though, um, I'll go ahead and share this. Urban Meyer, he said he stood on the tarmac for about an hour at Gainesville Airport after losing 30 to 22 at at Williams Bryce, and he questioned whether or not he could be the head coach at Florida. He said because Gator fans still wanted Spurrier back. So that was very interesting. Wow. Of course they did. Well, it all worked said, out. Yeah, that, that game was weird. You, you know, South Carolina only attempted 17 passes in that game and only completed seven. You're talking, talking about the 05? You're talking about the 05? Yeah. 05, yeah. Dakis Turman and Mike Davis the first. And I think Spurrier, I said this yesterday, Brad, I think when he was at Florida, what teams gave him trouble? The teams that just lined up and ran it up their butt. Exactly, and you think yep. about some of his wins over Florida, at Carolina. What he did, uh, the game in the swamp to win the East, line up, ran it up their butt. Yep. And that yep. 05 game, well, we're just going to run it all over them. <laughs> you know, yep. uh, oh, that was interesting. But yeah, and I, all those players during the Urban Meyer era—that's when I was covering national recruiting at Rivals and ESPN. Oh man, yeah. So I remember all those kids, the Pounceys. uh the late Brandon Aaron Spikes. Hernandez, Brandon, Brandon Spikes, Brandon Spikes. I want to go back in time and, and really change a lot about the rankings when Brandon Spice came out. Like yeah. My boss moved in. My boss also moves uh, Chris Culver to receiver. But you know, had had Meyer not signed Tebow in in that star-studded 06 class, he probably wouldn't have won the championships there. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think he would have. I don't think he would have won. Probably one. not. No. Because no. Cam Newton was not as – Cam took a while to get good because when right. Cam went to the junior college, and I still think he'd been really good, better than John Brantley in that Florida offense. But when he went to the junior college, he really fine-tuned his uh, passing skills and stuff. And so uh, yeah. who knows what would have been. That was an interesting time in Florida history, though, and certainly an interesting time to kind of be sitting in your seat, Brad, but on recruiting with the Spurrier versus Florida dynamic because a lot of those Gator fans really – you know, they were kind of mixed, you know, like, you know, uh, it was interesting. And had, had Carolina held, had suck up, not had the kick, or they not missed the extra point or, or whatever. What did that 06 win? Yeah. The crap really would have hit the fan had the head ball coach gone, gone to two and O against Urban Meyer. And then um, in, in 2009, uh, Tebow came to Williams Bryce. They won that wounded warrior game, like 24 to 14. That's right. That was, yeah. That was number one. You know, team had won 25 straight games. So, well, and I remember yeah, Tebow after that game too said, "Man, hats off to these guys. This was, yeah. 
Yep. What a what a night here at Williams Bryce. All right, uh, uh, you got Clemson underrated at nine. All right, they're under. You think they're better than that? I've I've got them underrated because I don't think you can put Florida State above Clemson in a preseason ranking right now. I mean, okay. okay. Yeah, I don't I don't think FSU's earned that yet. Is is FSU a better team at the end of the year? Possibly, but right now in a preseason poll, I can't I can't rank Mike Norvell over Dabo. Well, we'll know in week four. Yeah. Because uh, Clemson hosts the Knowles, and my prediction is college game day will be there for that. And FSU plays LSU in Orlando here in a couple weeks, too. Yeah. We're going to know about L- uh, FSU real early. If they win both those games, Brad, they're going to have, they're going to have at that point in time, probably the best resume in college football and a case for number one. I don't know if they'll be ranked there, but they'll have a case for it. There's you're you're going to see Pete Warwick and Jameis and all of them. All on Twitter, uh, barking about the Knowles. Yep. <laughs> what about what about when South Carolina starts five and up? Guys, is anybody talking about that? <laughs> and Beamer gets an even bigger extension. Yo, look, if they do, Why though, that's, the best, re- that's the best is. resume. Let's say that's the best resume. Then <laughs> Rattler will be getting first round buzz for sure. Yeah, he'll get yeah, he'll be getting Heisman, Heisman buzz if they're yeah, five and zero. All the awards. Yeah. Yeah, they might even remember Kai Kroger's on the team at that point. <laughs> Get Kai Kroger yeah, seven. Yeah. That, that, that means that means nobody's talking about Kai Kroger being left off anything because he hadn't punted a lot. Yeah, then you talk right. going to, to Athens and Knoxville, win, and winning back to back. I think South Carolina won. Twenty eleven, they won in Athens and Knoxville. Uh, yep. 20, yeah. yeah, that's the last yep. time. That's the only the only time I can remember them. That twenty eleven game. Knoxville. I was at that game too. What a wow! What a time to be alive. That that day, the '07 game when Brinkley picked it off at the end, and that '11 game, oh. they should have won in '09. Yeah, they should have won in '09, and they couldn't pull it off. But then they did in '11, and that's the Ingram uh, fake. Thirteen punt. was just missed opportunities and stupid defense. I mean, yeah. I call that defense that day the stupid defense because I mean they had clowning jumping back. Mike Bobo just ate them alive that day. And then there was the play where Clowney had Aaron Murray. He spins out and throws, and Clowney or one has this wide open. Carolina went up and down the field with Georgia's defense all why day. Do, why do we? Why do Shaw we always losses more than the wins? You know, because there's more. There's <laughs> more material there. You know, a lot of material there. I, could, so, I anyway, remember man. a lot of big wins. We'll, we'll have you back one day when we've got six hours to go through the details of every game over the last 30 seasons at South Carolina. I've, and, uh, I've been to, I've been to every bowl game, I think since like 2000, except that Miami duck commander bowl or whatever. I was. That one either. No, yeah. How was that? That one. I was like, well, it was like, a, it was a Vandy fan level uh, crowd there. Well, of course it was. The last time they played there was five years prior in the Papa John's Bowl. Carolina played like crap, got beat by UConn, and they ran out of pizza in the first quarter. How do you run out of pizza? Worst game I've ever been to. Worst worst game I've ever been to. It was was a degree outside, literally, like one degree. (laughs) That's what at least it felt like. And Papa John's ran out of pizza. You're Papa John's. You can't run out of pizza. In the first quarter, man. Oh man! All right, Brad. Uh, we're getting close, man. We're getting close. Oh, so get your sleep. Uh, Salute, you, Brad. Are are you? Has the baby been born yet? So my wife Savannah is due September second. Oh, which means I'm going to have to watch the opener on like a 13 inch TV in the hospital. Mm. So we're we're hoping that maybe the baby comes in August. 
I'm mm. telling you, schedule the inducement. I know. Pray for the best. <laughs> if you if you don't, I mean, I, I I don't know how what the rules are at the hospital there, but if I was you, I'd just wheel in like a 55 inch with yourself when y'all yeah. check in. Just bring it in and be like, look, man. Yeah. This is what I do. This is my career. I have to watch this or they're going to fire me on Monday. Hopefully we'll be eating steak that night. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, all the best uh, to, to your family over the next couple of weeks. Sure. I know this is always a very antsy time. Yeah. Um, and uh, prayers with you as uh, you are about to become a new father and she's about yeah, to become right. a new mother again. Three girls. Yeah. Three Football girls. house, but we've got three girls. So. I got two girls. I couldn't imagine three. God help you. And, thanks, yeah. thanks, dude. See you soon. Thanks, Brad. There you go. Brad Crawford with 24-7 Sports. Uh, probably much better interview than having to be questioned uh, in, with ridiculous things from other parts of the state. We won't get into that. All right. Um, it is 1241. We will double up here on these uh, breaks since we blew through them. So don't go anywhere. We still have plenty of fun. And I got another joke for you when we get back. We are painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. Let me paint something.com. They also right now need to hire a painter uh, urgently. So if you or someone you know needs employment, if you got a bum sleeping in your basement, otherwise known as like your 24-year-old son, he won't leave or something like that, put him to work. Let me paint something.com. If you live in South Carolina or Georgia, they'll train you how to do it. They're going to pay you well. And uh, Tristan Still and those guys are Gamecocks through and through, true and through, whatever. And you don't have to be one to be employed by them at all. You just have to have arms that work and understand what paint looks like, and they'll handle the rest from there. Let me paint something.com. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 
803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go game Pops. What is that? Seven. Twelve forty-seven. Final segment of the hump day. Mad Dog Mullinax, JC Schubert, who's near the nut. That would be the salty nut in five points, guys, if you're wondering what that means. Uh yeah. and uh myself, uh, JB. A couple of quick little nuggets here. Uh from the University of South Carolina. Another jersey is being retired. This one is Tiffany Mitchell, former three time All American and two time SEC player. Of the year for Dawn Staley's Gamecocks. That pregame ceremony will take place Sunday, November the 12th. For the Gamecocks, welcome the Maryland Terrapins to Colonial Life Arena. That is a really neat honor for her. Um, I know instantly people are going to jump to, well, why hasn't Asia's retired yet? And this, that, and the other. A couple of uh, things to pass along from the university here. Here are the factors for retiring. A jersey, postseason, national and conference recognitions, school record holders, impact on team accomplishments, and either graduating from Carolina or leaving the school in good academic standing. Most importantly, though, there is a five-year waiting period, which begins at the conclusion of the student-athlete's final season of collegiate competition. Uh, So that should kind of help you 
understand where certain we all know that you know AJ Wilson and Leah Boston on the women's side are certainly at some point in time going to have their numbers hung up there in JC. That probably is a little bit of clarification to names like Cinderius Thornwell, which you brought up on uh, I think yesterday on the program. Oh yeah, um, as well. So I want to make sure we passed that along. That's fine. I'm, I'm not so sure that number shouldn't be 10, 10 years or so. Yeah. <laughs> Just to kind of let things well, play out. So, hey, does anybody yeah. really care well, so, why Emily Adams, the the Greenville, how, since when is the Greenville News beat reporter relevant anymore? And nothing against her in the works. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the job in general. I don't, she had a, this poor lady had to write an article about it. She has to go defend it. Why? Why? I, I don't understand. Because I mean, he so it's her, it's her killed opinion. on Twitter. So what? Yeah, I, I could really care less about what the Greenville News beat reporter says about anything. <laughs> and I don't mean that disrespectfully to her. No, no, it's just the nature I, of the of those outlets these days. I mean, they used to be important. They're not, you know. So, um, I mean, I don't was, know how many. I mean, I just, just because she's a reporter, she doesn't being a reporter doesn't mean you're a fan. And I think that the, that mm-hmm. line has been blurred over the years. There are programs like ours, sure. admittedly, where we all are fans. Now, I try to be as honest as I can be about it. Well, not try to be. I am honest. Uh, and um, there are some that just want to be fans. They want to be mad at everybody because, you, you know, they they have a whatever, a show or something, and but they're coming from a fan's angle. That's fine. It's great. Whatever. But that's where it's blurred the line with fans, and they f- feel like all reporters should also be fans. And you know, there's been plenty of years where David Conagrant put him in the top twenty-five, and others did. Uh, there's been plenty of years where a lot of people have that I, I truly respect. So what? Yeah, it's, it's, and here's the thing too. It's, it's like it's, it's sports. It's not that serious. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's not life or death, and uh, I just don't. Uh, I don't know why it's called, apparently caused some controversy. I don't know why that causes uh, a bunch of controversy. I mean, you know, you could sit there and, you know, ask anybody why they didn't put the Gamecocks in their top 25. It really doesn't matter. And, you know, I, I think the days of, of newspapers driving the narrative around programs is over. It's been over. Ben Portnoy's leaving. Did anybody notice that? A couple of years ago when Joe Person left, it was like market-wide news. Yeah. Barely even mentioned. So that, and, and I think, too, fan, not a fan, emotional, not emotional, whatever, as long as you're fair. That's all that matters. I think that's all yeah. that matters. I think just being fair is what – like in your mind – all right, so your opinion may be completely wrong, but are you being fair in your thought? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that uh, most are, 99% are, but I just uh, – I was just wondering about that. 2026 rankings are out. Speaking of things that, I, that don't matter, <laughs> the 2026 rankings from 24-7 sports are out. God, I hope I'm alive uh, in 2026. Look, man, uh, and, and look, they look good for the Gamecocks for a change. Uh, I'll just go through real quick. The next great one from South Point, great defensive back, Jazavian, Jazavian. Jazavian Currents, number 33 in the country, tops in the state, number four corner nationally. Uh, that He could go up or down. We all know that. But he's a 6'2 kid. They love him. They think he's really good. Torian Gray's all over him. He's already 6'3", 194 in place corner. Um, so you kind of worry about him getting a little too big. But uh, while I'm here in this state, I may go see him because uh, it's a 
He's an intriguing prospect. The Gamecocks have offered Pierre Dean, an offensive, offensive tackle for West Flor- for, for Scythe and Clemens. He's 46. Gamecock quarterback commit Landon Duckworth, 50th in the country, the number four quarterback in this class. Early. You say you say uh, things that don't, and I agree with you. I could care less about the 26 rankings, but just out of curiosity, at what point in time is Landon Duckworth being out of Jackson, Alabama? not going to feel the heat to stay home and play quarterback at Alabama or Auburn. I mean, you know it's coming. I'm just yeah. hearing – wait a minute. Hold on. I hear, I'm hearing it in the distance. War eagle fly down the field. Never Okay, there it goes, Tucker. Never Hey, war eagle. Da, 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 da. It gets louder and louder and louder. I mean, and he's a great here, – here's the problem, too. He's a great fit for what Hugh Freeze does on offense. Yeah. I don't know what Nick Saban's going to be doing on offense in 2026. My guess is that may be his last year because uh, the, t- the tide opens out at West Virginia that year. Um, oh. Yeah, Maybe he'll, see, that's oh, his big homecoming, going? right? Retire so, after that game. I, I, yeah. or, no, I think game, halftime speech. He'll guys. never admit it. I think it's one thing he's holding out for. He wants to go back and coach at Mountaineer Field in his last year. So. Why didn't he ju- – if that's what he's holding out for, just just – Call West Virginia and tell them, hey, I'd like to come coach West Virginia my last couple of years, and they'll file, fire Neil Brown. Hey, you kidding me? All right, they'll sure. Take, come on, they'll, take, they'll take all that big 12 money. Poor, poor Neil. <laughs> but Nick, I know, I know Guac is extra. Nick, you know. <laughs> but uh, Samari Matthews is a guy out of Huff in North Carolina. The Gamecocks have offered his 65th. I'm sure there's some other offers I'm missing because – Quite frankly, when I see that twenty six, my brain goes to sleep. <laughs> like, uh, hey, Carolina's got the number one class in the country for twenty twenty six, alongside Ohio State and Florida State. It's incredible. All right, let me ask you this because he's in Charlotte, and I guess I think it is. And I'm old. God, we we're just talking about the 04 season. <laughs> uh, remember Georgia? Remember they yeah. had uh, a. Ah, it is freak. I'm going to barf. Uh, Thomas Davis has a child that is going to be a senior in 2026 named Thomas Davis Jr. Hard-hitting yeah. guy just like his dad. Man, it seems like Thomas Davis played for Georgia and for the Panthers like yesterday. Like, I, I, he was on that 0-4 team. He was one of those guys on Georgia's team that I was personally scared of. <laughs> he would well, sn- knock you in the next week. And he's got a child that's uh, the number – well, that shouldn't make you feel that bad. I mean, we've had plenty of guys that are that have uh, that should make you feel older than that, or as old as that. I mean, well, Jasper Brinkley having a kid in this class was—I was about to say. Well, but this I kind of, I kind of knew Jasper had offspring when he was in Carolina, then. So, I, I guess I was more prepared for that than I mean, you know, I'm more prepared for the Carolina, the Carolina, Carolina guys than the. Uh, I was always a fan of Gerald Dixon's son, Gerald Dixon and Gerald Dixon. Yeah. (laughs) Like a George Foreman. I'll never forget when they committed to Carolina. My mom was like, they, I think they, they listed the same guy twice, or I can't remember what the conversation was. She said, they get the same guy twice on here. I said, no, they're both Gerald Dixon. She was like (laughs) that. What? Yep. (laughs) Different mom, different, different mom. Gerald Dixon, Gerald Dixon, Jr. Still Gerald uh, Dixon. Dad, yeah, there were three Gerald Dixons that played. 
I'll tell you what, the next group we're going to be looking for here, Not we, we need a new set of Lindsay twins. We need to – South Carolina, the University of South Carolina need, needs to – they need to fight to keep – they need to bring five points back under their umbrella. Make five points for the students again. There's nobody better to do that than the Lindsay twins offspring. So, Jordy and Dusty, if you're listening, I hadn't seen you in years. Oh, you're always good to me. Regardless of that guy that you about killed that one night, but he, I think he's fine now. But back then, he he had a rough moment. <laughs> Send your kids to Carolina. Take back five points for all the rest. Dude, those boys were a couple of cowboys. I mean, they, they – uh, you know what, though? They, Man, were, they were good wild. players. They were really good players. I mean, at the end of the day, had Dusty not gotten hurt, right – they played the rear ends off. Yeah, he took over. He t- he beat Ricardo Hurley out in, 0- in 05. Yeah, we we just talked about that Florida win. Dustin was he's the one that tipped the pass that Chris Tucker intercepted, and, and Hurley all year was lost. I mean, I don't think Carolina beats Florida for work for the Lindsey Twins that year. Aiden Spurrier was like, "Hey, you told me at the beginning of the year the Lindsey Twins have been starting out. I've been like, ah, no, no way, shoot." No way. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jordan was a really serviceable D end. Uh, and then Dustin, see what sucked about Dusty was he got hurt and then he was never the same. Uh, and he, 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 I think he came back and tried to get hurt again. And Carolina had problems at middle linebacker uh, after, uh, well, not the next year because Jasper was there, but then I think in 07, Dusty was on the, I think he was on the team and mm-hmm. then Jasper went down against LSU and that, like could have used Lindsey, but he's just he just was never the same. But I th- I thought he was really good. Yeah, Jordy played more of an end. Yeah. Jordy was not. Jordy was forty one, and then Dustin was the other one. So yeah, they, I have a. Uh, I guess a, maybe a. Let's just say I have a friend whose friend dated one of the Lindsey twins. Oh, I, very I, interesting I, bunch. Very oh interesting yeah, bunch. yeah. I'm not going. We're not going to out them here. But no, no, they, look, I, I love hey, those guys, man. Tell you <laughs> if you were if you were in their corner, all was good. You were good, man. Didn't matter what happened. You didn't good. want to piss them off. No. <laughs> piss them off. Stay on their you good were, side, man. Back then, it was truly better to be pissed off than or pissed on than pissed off. Yeah, right uh, you know, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. All right, we are all but out of it. Oh, uh, JC and Morgan tomorrow live. Download the Chief App. Chief App. We have our, our right? annual meeting with Phil Steele tomorrow. 9.45 a.m. 9.45. And then uh, we'll have the show after that right here. Anyway, download the Chief App. Tell your friends about the Chief App. Shout out to Meredith for putting that on Twitter today with a uh, screenshot of uh, an animated screenshot of the Chief App. Maybe yeah. it's called a GIF. But I, I, tell her, yeah. I don't know how to do it. GIF. Yeah, I don't know. Thank you, Meredith. Yeah, that's everybody's homework assignment. You got to keep spreading the news. Keep spreading the news. There are, we got, uh, well, put it this way. We're all going to be having some fun here for long. Oh, we're not hey, having fun hey, now, you know. And Clint, just show up to the, I got your ticket for the tailgate. Don't worry about it. Just show up with your buddy. We'll take care of it. We got you. Yep. This, that, and the other. We got BRC. you, man. We got Steven's, you. Steven's son's name is Memphis, and uh, he's got a chance to be pretty good. So, we'll, uh, We'll get old Steve-O on here and let him show us some huddle tape of young Memphis here before long. 
All right. Uh, before we go, I have to uh, read two quick things. Why did the mushroom go to the party? Because he was a fun guy. Yes, you did it. No <laughs> one. Mad dog. Mad dog. <laughs> Mad dog sinks it at the end of the round. And then also the greatest follow on Twitter, Shooter McGavin. I think this is one of the is the funniest Twitter account out there. He says, "This is." An un, undeserved good guy rap. Scotty Smalls. Anybody remember Scotty Smalls from the Sandlot? Undeserved good guy he rap. Said, this is an undeserved good guy rap. Scotty Smalls. No, no. Here, here, here's why he's undeserving of being a good guy, according to Shooter McGavin. He had no idea who Babe Ruth was. He had no idea what a s'more was. He stole his stepdad's baseball that was signed by Babe Ruth for a pickup game. He was a liability in left field with a noodle arm, and he was the smartest kid in the group, but he didn't think to knock on Mr. Myrtle's door after losing the baseball. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Shooter McGavin strikes again. Meet, meet me on the ninth green at nine. <laughs> oh, my man, Shooter. All right, thanks to Brad Crawford. JC mentioned 945 tomorrow on the Chief app. You can watch JC and Morgan. They'll be joined by Phil Steele. We will immediately follow at 11 o'clock. And we'll be joined by Perry Orth, Chris Phillips, and a full hour of Power Hour with Mike Morgan. It's a full day of guests, and you're going to get three hours and 15 minutes of live programming. Tell your friends. We're powered by the great, wonderful family who own Electric Bikes of Charleston, the Wilkins family. If you want to get out and cruise around, there is no bike in the world that is better than those that they offer there. That's for dang sure. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. They're also the owners of Charleston Fitness Equipment. Stay in shape this football season because we all know you'll be drinking and eating too much. Thanks to Brad, JC, and Phil. I'm JB. See you tomorrow right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndoke Cup.